everyone and welcome to another exciting exciting episode of battle of the atom this is of course the podcast you get inside your earbuds every single monday where i zach jenkins and my co-host adam Reck look at every single x-men story that's ever existed in this and all other multiverses and we we decide not decide we just still we the answer is there we just find it for the best, the worst, and everything in between X-Men stories ever. Adam, how are you doing today on this journey to discover where things are in the world of X-Men? <laughs> I am great, Zach. Thanks for uh, for having me back on episode whatever we're on right now. And 26? I'm excited that uh, – is, is that where we're at? We're, we're doing 26. pretty good. We're kind of like halfway through a year, you know? Which is um, bananas, I yeah, cannot I'm, believe great. that's that's a real thing. <laughs> you know, we we just keep keep recording, so you know it's, it's working out. Um, I'm just excited because what we're going to do today is talk about the stories that Kelly Thompson uh, recommended uh, when we interviewed her. So yeah. these are some pretty cool things to talk about. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I just saw Chris Anka released uh, the latest. I think it's number four, the cover where they're wearing each other's outfits. Yeah, it's adorable. And I <laughs> yeah, love it. It's great. Absolutely. I amazing. love it. I'm very much looking forward to it. So uh, what are we starting off with here, Zach? We are going to start off with what we have tried to figure out to call off Mike. And we've decided on one of two things, either Savage Land Rogue and also some space stuff or just everything around Uncanny X-Men 275. Yeah. Which is neither of those are good titles. Those are bad. And there's a reason why Marvel did not use them on the covers of these comic books. Well, it is kind of hard to sum this up. Like the very first thing that I thought as I was going back through these is, wow, there is a lot going on in these issues. You know, we're like, we're still wrapping up post Siege Perilous uh, Aussie X-Men here. And we've got the Savage Land stuff. We've got the outer space stuff. There's some backgrounds, um, pre Mirror Island Saga Shadow King things happening here. So, you know, it's it's a yeah. lot packed into these issues. Writer Chris Claremont and primary artist Jim Lee uh, do a lot in these five issues. This this is covering Uncanny X Men two seventy three. So right after the end of Extinction Agenda. To uh, 277, mm-hmm. which is right before the Muir Island saga. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting. I think Kelly mentioned 269. If you guys want to get, you know, a little extra Savage Land Rogue in there, that's another good issue to, to hit. But that it, it gets broken up by Extinction Agenda, as she noted. So it's it's not really, you know, consistent. That's, uh, couple that's of Rogue there. fighting Carol Danvers for control of her body or the ghost of Carol from her body. Yes. Also, and then that beautiful splash page of Magneto at the end. That's the only thing I remember from that comic. Yeah. Rogue gets her clothes ripped off, which, okay, that happens. And Magneto shows up mm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they have like this weird sort of chemistry, which seems very odd to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> given like 
Magneto's unclear age and Rogue's unclear age and okay, you know, and uh, anyway. I, I, so I, Let me ask, have you ever been a fan of the Rogue-Magneto yeah. pairing? I know it has fans. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it works best in um, Age of Apocalypse, which we'll also talk about um, in a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's fine. And, and it it's more of a... A will they won't they like even magneto is acknowledging like did i did i just am i feeling something am i not feeling mm-hmm. something um so hey i mean it's there and uh i think it's kept uh, as as subtext a yep. little bit so that's fine yeah you know uh you know i think why i remember these issues so much is because of the the artwork mm-hmm. um you know the storylines are great you've got you know kazar and you've got the star jammers you've got um you know gladiator and co and um you know it's i i think i typed in my notes like double splash page glory because there's all of these you know amazing double page and the, and the 275 has this beautiful trifold uh you know pull out cover I mean, Jim Lee is firing on all cylinders here. It's it's a really beautiful. beautiful yeah, this artwork. is this is peak Jim Lee. I think I think this book looks or these these five issues all look very very good. And we should be we should note that uh, mm-hmm. two seventy five is actually a jam art issue with Jim Lee, Will Sparticio, Klaus Jensen, John Byrne, Rick Leonardi, Mark Silvestri, Michael Golden, and Larry Stroman all contributing something to it. Yeah, that's. 273 i think yep. is the jam issue right and like wow it's a weird one you know like the the artwork changes so much from page to page um wraps up with stroman at the end i mean it's it's an oddball yep. thing to introduce it, this arc with um but once jim lee is is doing all of it it's and and scott williams it's yeah ooh, it's there's good. a reason why jim lee was very popular uh one of the reasons and this is something that uh, yeah. is a weird nitpick thing of x-men fandom I think Savage Land Bikini Rogue has done more damage than good in this world. Mm. Mm. I think it's not think, aged well. No, and I think it would be fine if it didn't turn into people posting pictures of cosplayers wearing it. And look, if if you're a cosplayer and you want to cosplay as Savage Land Rogue, more power to you. If you are an internet commentator and you see someone cosplaying Savage Land Rogue, act like an adult and not a creepy person. I feel like that should be reasonable, but I <laughs> I know I've seen this too many times. It's just it's like it's like Slave yeah. Leia in Star Wars. I get it. I've been fifteen right. before, but let's let's have some awareness in the year of our Lord twenty eighteen. Yeah, and I, and I'll give you know. I'll give a little bit more leeway than Slave mm-hmm. Leia. You know what I mean? Like Slave Leia has no agency whatsoever. This is rogue in Savage Land. You know, obviously it's a warm jungle climate with dinosaurs. However, you know, clearly there are aspects of this run that are very much being drawn. Jim Lee's young, you know, he knows he's got the horny teen market out there. So we get these scenes of like, Psylocke bathing nude for some reason. Oh, spaceship, yeah. And the, you know, the weird nudity. part where, um, where they're just in the, uh, they're in the showers of the Xavier Institute basement. Well, it actually happens twice. I think, you know, there's that yep. thing in 273 where everybody's just in the showers. And then there's another scene later on where she's also, you know, in shadow. Um, but, you know, I think part of why 
people liked Jim Lee was not just like the big muscles and the action, but was also, you know, this idea of, you know, these idealized sexy female bodies and, you know, um, lots of people have aped this style. And I think we talked about Mm -hmm. this when we talked about mutant Genesis, that this style influences a whole decade worth of, of artwork and nobody does it like him. So Jim Lee, Jim Lee is an artist who holds up. He draws a lot of really cool stuff. And I, th- I do think it's mm-hmm. very obvious that we are talking about Jim Lee's art in this, in these issues. No, because they both the kind of suck. <laughs> Zaladane's nothing. Like the Savage mm. Land arc is Zaladane's going to take over the right. world with some spires and magnet powers. And Magneto and Rogue and Nick Fury yeah. team up to stop her. And there's, there's good moments in that arc. Mm-hmm. Like – the moment where Magneto executes Zaladane is very well done. And even though Claremont didn't really want, I don't think the whole heel turn of Magneto again, it's done very well here. Like you, you get, you can understand that this is still, this isn't gone crazy running uh, Genosha Magneto. This is, I'm the same character. I always was. I have a strong purpose, a strong core, but I, I'm going to murder this woman. That's something that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And if, if mutant Genesis came immediately after this arc, no. you probably wouldn't bat an eye. You know, you could probably skip Muir Island and it wouldn't really be a big deal. Um, Cause this really does set up the, the vision of what the next step of X-Men is going to look like and, yeah. and what it's going to be. So um, it's definitely good. It's fun. It's sort of like mutant Genesis draft one. Um, and it is, I do want to say, cause we've only talked about half the storyline. The reason we haven't talked about any of the stuff with the Shi'ar and the scrolls and the space stuff is because it's really poorly done and completely unmemorable and just boring as all get out. Even though Jubilee is consistently delightful. She's great. She's great. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about her in a second with the, the second. You know, wait, hold on. Hold on. Because you, you, Adam, you write a yeah, fan comic about Jubilee, correct? I do. Yes. Did you know a lot of X-Men fans just hate Jubilee for no good reason? You know, I, I'm I was a little bit concerned because um, last year for the Women's March, I drew a piece of Jubilee holding up a protest sign. And the protest sign says um, all the best X-Men are women. And, you know, last year it got a lot of reposts on Tumblr. Great. Whatever. Um, you know, not a lot of people look at my work. And so I'm excited when people do. And then this year it kind of took a life of its own again. And cause you know, there, there were new marches. Thank you for marching. Uh, anybody that marched, but the, uh, I, it popped up on a, a, a Reddit, um, uh, page and I just, you know, out of curiosity, I stumbled onto it and I'm looking through the comments and people are like really trash talking Jubilee. And I am mortified because <laughs> I find Jubilee to be so much fun. She's going to factor into a, a lot of why I really uh, liked part of what we're going to talk about next. And she's great here. You know, she gets to combo with a couple of different characters and have some new dynamics instead of just being with the Magipore trio. So, um, 
yes, I am surprised by that. If you don't like Jubilee, you need to read more early 90s X-Men and also Generation X and also the new Generation X and kind of most things she's been in, Jubilee's really good. Yeah, um, even even her appearances in the Wolverine solo series are really fun. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think she's a blast. Um, I just want to double back real quick because I, I know you want to want to rank this and go on. But, you know, you were talking about what's memorable about this and why are we concentrating so much on the art? I distinctly remember picking up, I think it was on vacation or something like that. I remember picking up a, a coloring book that was filled with the artwork from this arc. And it was all of the black and white artwork. And that really? I think is indelible. That's what sticks in my mind. It's not the story. It's not whatever Claremont's trying to mash into this couple of issues. It's it's the artwork. So are you um, sure you point... didn't just buy a Marvel Essential and start coloring in it? <laughs> wow. Um, I don't think they were making those back then. But, you know, there was a lot of X-Men merchandise in the early 90s. You know, I, I'm I'm looking right this now at my copy of the X-Men Visionaries Jim Lee paperback um, trade paperback. And I distinctly remember having a t-shirt with this image on it. I'm sure it was bootleg who knows, but like there was so much stuff you could buy at that time because of the, the animated series. Well, now I need to know what the X-Men visionaries, Jim Lee paperback looks like. Oh, because it it has all the early stuff before you hit mutant Genesis, including his, uh, classic X-Men backup story. So, okay. um, I don't know where I've seen this image i've seen it a thousand times though i think the one on amazon might be recolored it's definitely recolored it's, on, on the cover yeah yeah it's blue team charging yeah. uh look it up you you have a smart device around you <laughs> and check it out if you want to see it anyway where do we want to rank this and i i think this is probably better than fatal attractions but i don't think it's that much better than fatal attractions yeah no we're 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 going higher than that i'm looking more is it better than men i would put this i think this is because the dracula issue seems to be a, a level for me of late um do you like this i i think i like this better than men men is sort of like a a fun you know silly thing this is pretty memorable, at least mm-hmm. at least artistically. It's got good Jim Lee art, but I can tell you when I, like everyone else who gets into X-Men, did my Claremont run. Yeah. Did my just, I'm going to go through Claremont. I got to this arc and I was like, I'm ready to be done now. Yeah, you can kind of tell that he's he's wrapping it up. And especially by the time you get to Muir Island, you're like, oh boy. All right. Um, so yeah, Muir Island's not good. Yeah. But I think that's a good place on the list is, a, is maybe around, you know, men or, or Mojo World. Um, so do you? I, th- I got more joy out of Mojo World. Okay. But I I will I will not disagree that the Jim Lee art in this is much stronger. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're stuck because we're like really impressed artistically but not story-wise and I, I don't want to deliberate too much. So, do we just want to put it at 44? Is this better than men? Sure. We'll put it we'll put it right there. We will put it at the new number 44 right. above men. This is the stuff around uncanny <laughs> X-Men 275. Yeah, that's a good way of classifying it. Now, this next one, I I think we probably should get into Age of Apocalypse uh, because... We we have yeah. to. 26 episodes in, and we're going to touch Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And by the way, anyone who wants to request stuff, you're not requesting the entirety of Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> I don't have time to reread 40-plus issues yeah. of a comic I really enjoy. Mm. 
So uh, we are ranking Gambit and the Externals right now. Adam, what was that? Uh, Adam, what was that that guttural noise you just made <laughs> when I talked about the beauty that was Age of Apocalypse? All right. So I, for a very, very long time, um, the only part of Age of Apocalypse that I invested my energy into was uh, Lobdell and Bacalo's, um Generation Next. You know, I had already, which is the best part. Yeah, it is. It's the standout of of the entire thing. But um, and and when I delved into the other parts of it, I was like, well, none of this is nearly as good as that mini. At least in, this is just my take. Um, and so you know, for y'all who want to recommend other parts of Age of Apocalypse, I have read huge chunks of it at this point, and I just I gotta say. I still find myself, there are so many cool concepts in it. There are so many cool character designs, but just as a, uh, you know, this thing, I just, I find it very hard to get behind. And I think mainly it has to do with aesthetics because this is where, you know, I I've been on record as like being cool about executioner's song, but like when we get into AOA, we're talking about a very different artistic approach that starts to come in. You know, we're starting to see a little bit more of an anime influence in the art. And we're starting to see this mix of like third generation Jim Lee and Liefeld knockoffs. And yet also we're seeing like, you know, the Matsuda type stuff that we're going to see go into the main series. So, all right. That was a long-winded way of saying I'm not a huge fan of Age of Apocalypse. Um, So please bring on the rancor and the anger. (laughs) Right. I'm, I'm just going to say the way I read Age of Apocalypse was I hunted down every single back issue in floppies and I collected them all and then found the reading order online and read them all in floppies. And I think it's a delightful thing. And anyone who disagrees is missing the joy of Age of Apocalypse. And one of those joys is Gambit in the externals. Yes. And we're just going to – yeah, we're, we're not going to argue about the merits of Age of Apocalypse till we rank it yet. Uh, Gambit in the externals. Well, actually, one last note on Age of Apocalypse. For people who don't know – uh, do you remember a couple of years ago when Marvel canceled all of their books and put them all as miniseries in Secret Wars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did that in 1994 with the X-Men. Only all of the books like made sense and connected really tightly into this big, very well done alternate reality. Uh, so uh, what was it? Generation X became Generation Next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Excalibur became X with an X caliber. A couple other things, but X-Force became Gambit and the Externals, which was such a cool lineup. So this team, Adam, do you know who's on this team? Do you know who the Gambit and his Externals are? I absolutely love this lineup. So um, let me see if I can remember them off the top of my head. It's it's Gambit, Lila Cheney, Jubilee, uh, Strong Guy, uh, a, a really radical version of Sunspot, which seems very powered up. Am I missing? Who am I missing? Yep. Is that? Uh, Richter is the antagonist. Yes. Richter. Julio Esteban Richter. Yeah. Richter's rocking one of those great AOE, AOA uh, face tattoos. And uh, for some yeah, reason, he's got these, these beautiful, um, you know, little ribbons wrapped around his hands for some reason. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like a, that, that's just age of apocalypse. Yeah. Throwaway character design. And then uh, I believe they're also antagonized by the Madri, um, which is a great AOA concept for the, for uh, Jamie Madrox as like this weird religious cult. 
it's a cult of one guy, I love it. which is that's so great. Kind of great. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Gambit and the Externals, like we said, came out of X Force. Uh, so it was written by Fabian Nicesa mm-hmm. with pencils by then artist Tony Daniel for the first two issues and Salvador La Roca for the last two issues. Yeah. I like, I know Kelly, when she was mentioning this series, said she wasn't so hot on the artist in it. I think Tony Daniel's pretty good. I think Salvador La Roca is pretty good. Like, I think the art is fine here, though it's not the best art in Age of Apocalypse. No, I just, I'm just reading through it is is difficult because not only does the art shift, but the tone shifts very dramatically between the first two issues and the second two issues. The first two yep. issues are like a really fun, um, you know, kind of jokey heist book. It's a heist, right? Yeah. We've got Magneto. He's going to sneak us into uh, uh, Peter Corbeau's secret library where we're going to reveal Lila Cheney's powers to shoot us off into space so we can steal the Macron crystal. And then we're going to, you know, we've got a, you know, and Richter's on our heels. What a fun concept. Jubilee, I mentioned this before, she is like jokey out the yin yang and Tony Daniels art really works with the tone of that story. The second you get into the second two issues, um, you know, LaRocca is going for a more realistic and and maybe a more like image style um it works, especially with, you know, he's drawing these beautiful spaceships and, um, you know, these battle scenes, but I don't feel like he's as good a visual storyteller. Um, and the cartooniness of the first half, which kind of contributes to the fun of it also then switches the tone of the book, which leads to strong guys betrayal. And then we get into, you know, this is my major complaint with AOA is that a lot of it is a downer. I know it's supposed to be, but it, it, it weighs on me. You know, it's like watching too much black mirror. Black mirror is great once in a while, but if you watch too much of it, it's just going to make you like mad and depressed. And like AOA kind of does that to me. Um, even so, general, you know, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I, I would, I would just say one thing on AOA. Like I, I get that. I really do. What I think they did well is if you read age of apocalypse as an event, not as many series like we're doing. Yeah. And like you've done, but if you go through and say, okay, what week did what book come out and keep going through it, mm-hmm. it is paced really well. And it's still a, I mean, it's a dark, gritty alternate future, but you get the wins and the losses in like good measure. Sure. So even if, if Gambit in the externals is down, uh, amazing X-Men might've had a win and things like that. Right. So it does well from that standpoint, but I, I think I, I really agree. The second half of this book goes a little off the rails. It doesn't help that there's like two pages of either uh, astonishing or amazing X-Men that you should really read before you read the fourth issue of this. Yeah. It skips over some stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's fun. Like I like, I like it. This isn't my favorite AOA book, but especially those first two issues are a lot of fun. I love the age of apocalypse aesthetic. It's nineties is all get out, but in like, it's knowingly extreme. Yeah. Like people, people can look at some of this stuff as a joke, uh-huh. but the, but you know, Fabian Isieza was in on the joke. Oh, clearly. He was aware of what he was doing. Yeah. And, and this really makes me wish that he had gotten an opportunity to, um, write Jubilee 
more often, you know, Ooh, or, or, yeah. even, or even Gambit or like this cast is great. And when he gets their voices right, um, it's, it's really fun. So I understand why Kelly, I recommended it. Where would you, uh, where would you rank this? So where would I rank Gambit in the externals? I like it better than the stuff around 275. Okay. I, I, I definitely like that. I don't like it as much as Ultimate X-Men Volume 1. Yeah. Or Ladies Night. Mm-mm. Uh, probably not more than Gifts. I don't like it better than Inferno Exterminators. Yeah, I'm, I like I'm it better than the Unis issue, though, I think. Okay. I'm fine with that. And that's what I think. And I've actually been doing a reread of Silver Age X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, that Unis issue is probably probably as good as most of Silver Age X-Men is going to get on this list. <laughs> yeah, guys, if you have not been uh, following Xavier Files on Twitter and and, and seeing Zach's uh, reactions to, as he hits these Silver Age things, they're very, very funny. So uh, definitely check those out. All right. So are we saying this is uh, number 37? Or How do you feel about it compared to House of M? I, I get the feeling you like House of M better. I mean, I really don't think that this is this is as good as even. I don't know, man. Like, I'm Ooh. I'm OK with putting it ahead of Battle of the Atom, but I'm not even sure this is better than the holiday special story, you know, with, with Santa as, as the dad's, you know, or or I find it difficult to put this ahead of like Claremont, John Byrne, Christmas demon story. Um, gifts. I think we can, I think I can live with that. Just right right below Unis. Okay. Uh, un, that's X Men number eight, the one with Unis the Untouchable. All right. Uh, yeah, this could be the new thirty eight right, Gambit in that. the Externals. Okay. okay. So we've got one last story today, and if you <laughs> listen to our episode of Kelly Thompson, you already know. So I don't know why this is being a big deal. Uh, this is Astonishing X Men one through six. Ooh. Gifted. Yeah. Not to be related with the TV show that Adam now really, really likes. I love it. And folks, if you have not watched the entire first season of Gifted, uh, please find some time. If you've got it saved on your DVR, cool. Fast forward through the commercials. Uh, You know, if you've got other means of binge watching it, like commercial free is the best way to go. And just go through it. Because if you were like me and you only watched like the first two or three episodes and you're like, eh. It gets really good. And I kind of elaborated on this online. I know not everybody's going to agree with how much I love this show, but even if you just like X-Men, it does a lot of things right. So definitely check it out. But that is not what we're talking about. (laughs) No, we're not talking about that show whose finale I still haven't gotten around to watching. Oh, it's great. You got to check it out. It's like two hours long, though, and I have a kid and me and my wife watch it together. So Uh, we have to to find a chunk of time to watch a two hour episode. I will tell you what what television show I used to watch religiously um, high school into college was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And uh, it is so much fun to see Joss Whedon take on the X-Men here with this with this series. I know you hold this in very high esteem. So do, do you want to get into why you love Astonishing X-Men? Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy is one of the most pitch perfect X-Men stories ever. Mm-hmm. Especially these first six issues, because this is as good as that run gets. Like everything else after is still high quality. It's still better than most X-Men stories. These first six issues are perfect. 
It is Kitty Pride coming back to the Xavier Institute. It is amazing character dynamics. Kitty and Wolverine is great. Kitty and Emma is just amazing. Mm -hmm. Emma and Scott is great. Scott and Beast is great. Beast and Emma have a great dynamic. And that's not even considering the fact that Colossus gets resurrected in one of the best friggin' scenes. Oh, man. That reveal, that reveal is hands down one of the best comic book scenes that has ever been done. Uh, It's just so smart and so quiet. I mean, there's something very um, cinematic and, and we, you know, people throw that word around as if like comic books need to live up to movies, you know, or vice versa, that movies need to live up to comic. They're separate mediums. And there are things that comic books can do that films can't. And I'm convinced that if you tried to film that scene, I don't think it would have the power that those pages have. You know, I, I, I just reread it last night. It gives me chills. I'm getting chills just thinking about that scene. You know, I mean, do you know how many perfect moments are in these six issues? Oh, how so many. many amazing moments? Yeah. Kitty being shocked that Emma teaches ethics. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, like man. I there's so much I can't even talk about. Colossus's I am made of rage yeah. attack on Ord. The freaking fastball special double page spread. The costumes double page spread. This is this is amazing. So I hold – and we've talked about this before, but I hold uh, Grant Morrison's New X-Men as one of the best runs of comics, period. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that as a entirety, as a chunk of comic, I like New X-Men better than Astonishing X-Men. But I think in terms of moments, in terms of impact, in terms of – memorability astonishing x-men is in a class of its own i mean john cassidy's art is gobsmackingly gorgeous well and whedon he's very good at quippy dialogue and good at heart heartfelt character moments i mean like you you say you watched buffy for years i mean he's whedon's admitted oh buffy was just me doing kitty pride Kitty pride yeah and now he gets a chance to do kitty pride yeah and he, and he does it very, very well. Um, you were just mentioning Cassidy's art and I, you know, sort of waxing on about the Colossus scene, but, you know, we were just talking earlier about these Jim Lee, uh, fight scenes, you know, and, and the action, if you actually look at, at Jim Lee's, um, uh, fight scenes, let, let's take some of the stuff from extinction agenda or, or what we just talked about. It's more a, a lot of poses, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. characters that are sort of in relation to each other. If you look at the, there are a couple of very intimate fight scenes, you know, very close quarters things that happen either between the X-Men or X-Men and, uh, you know, the people that they meet in the facility, um, it, they're fights, you know, you can see how the characters are physically responding to each other, how they've physically interacted with each other. And they are very masterful ways of showing off the you know the action in the scene it's just really really well done and i you know we've talked about this before but we have to commend uh the publisher for allowing them to take the time you know one of the things that we've mentioned before about new x-men is that it does suffer because quitely is not the artist on every issue 
this doesn't and Igor Corday had to freaking draw an entire issues worth of comics in like a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so I, I think this is great. I mean, there's a reason that last stand went to this as its source material, despite, you know, it went to it, it two years later, essentially mm-hmm. this thing got published and the writers of X-Men, the last stand read it and said, Oh, this is, this is our next movie. Right. We're going to do dark Phoenix saga and we're going to do this too. And that didn't go over super well. Mm. Yeah, that's a terrible movie. But their heart was in the right place <laughs> because Maybe. this is very good. Like you you talk about cinematic. I'll tell you the way I experienced this comic and this run of comics first. The first way I experienced this wasn't in a comic. It was in the uh Marvel Motion comics oh, that they did. Yeah. It was on it was on Hulu right when Hulu came out. Huh. And I was like, I like X-Men just as a casual person. And this is 2009, so I'm gonna go watch this. And I did, and I said, Oh, dang, yo, this is super good. Yeah. And it gives me chills. It's just it's amazing. And you you say cinematic and motion comics suffer because you're trying to translate a static medium into a fluid one and that doesn't work well. It just kind of looks like you're shifting things a bit. But the panel layouts, the pacing in this – I mean John Cassidy is essentially drawing storyboards. Yeah, Sure. He that's, – that's exactly what he's doing here. That may sound like an insult and that's not intended to be. He's drawing the action, the f- flow of motion. He's – bringing your eye across everything exactly where you need it to be. It's just amazing how this thing works together. This is, this is a comic I absolutely adore and it gets a lot of praise for good reason. This is going back to basics done right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Solid cast, um, really tight story. I, I think that the, the general premise of the entire series, um, with break world is a really smart one. And it's unique and, uh, you know, it, it makes it sort of be this interesting standalone piece and it's just really well done. Um, you know, the beast stuff here where he has to challenge himself to think about whether he's going to use the cure, um, which I, I don't know that we even mentioned that, that like, that is what this plot line is about is that look, people, people have read this, people right? Like, this, right? yeah, I don't know if, yeah. if you, if you haven't read, the first six issues of Astonishing X-Men. You should, <laughs> if you haven't. What, you know. How are you listening to an X-Men podcast about random issues where we talked about Age of Apocalypse for 10 minutes? You like, make an excellent point. No, you've read this, right? If you haven't read this, at me. Get get on me at Twitter. Say, um, actually, Zach, I haven't read this. And then I'll <laughs> say, okay, cool. It's very cheap on Comixology. Go buy it, please. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't, or now, buy you know Marvel Unlimited. now you know what you're doing at some point within the next 24 hours because it's definitely uh, yeah, there's it's a must. It's a breezy read too. Like you're not going to be sitting there clunking through dialogue. There's not a friggin' spate piece of inch of this page wasted. It's so good. Where do we want to rank it, Adam? All right. So how good is it? I mean, this is definitely, I think worthy of maybe top five status so what do we like this better than um you know at a top of our our top five right now are days of future past god loves man kills the asgardian wars uh the first wolverine mini and riot at xavier's i'm assuming you're this, thinking up here it's above so. riot okay. i love riot 
Riot is the best part of Morrison's run, but in a very similar way that the best part of Brubaker's Daredevil run is better than the best part of Bendis's Daredevil run, even though Bendis's is a better run overall. Mm-hmm. Devil and So Black Deeds, very good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gifted is better than New X Men, Riot and Xavier's. It's similar in terms of like pacing in cinematography to Wolverine's first miniseries, the Claremont Miller one, which I just revisited recently. It holds up. I I think that it's better than that. Adam, what are oh, your wow. thoughts? Okay. So um so it's it's better than the Wolverine mini? I think so, I'm but you, you know because I know you yes, are such a huge yes, 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 you know, yes, and Wolverine yes. mini lover. Um I am. This is better. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm fine no, no with that. No shade, Frank Miller. This is better. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I guess where I struggle is whether it jumps into the top three or not. You know, I've, I'm on record as saying that I think Asgardian Wars is my favorite of all time. But um, just playing devil's advocate against myself, this is if you wanted to introduce X-Men to someone. And that's one of the things we talked about with God Loves, Man Kills. You would probably hand them this way before you would hand them as guardian wars. And I don't know that that necessarily makes it better, but it is a distilled version of X-Men that is so pure that, you know, it really does make it a stone cold classic. Um, So do you think that it deserves to, I don't know that it, it needs to jump. I don't think it jumps either days of future past or God loves man kills. Do you, I mean, I guess the question is, Here's what I would say, Adam. Yeah. I would say that God Loves Man Kills is written for a new reader. It really is. It was a Marvel graphic novel first. Mm -hmm. It's it's for anyone to pick up. Yeah. As Guardian War is for the veteran. It's for the you love X-Men, then you're gonna love every last bit of this. Yep. Astonishing X-Men gifted is for both. Hmm. Astonishing X-Men walks the line so well of being a satisfying follow-up to Morrison's new X-Men with deep continuity things that fans are going to adore while still being the most accessible story, period. Hmm. I think it's better than God Loves Man Kills. I think it's better than Days of Future Past. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. But that's where I, I think this is... I think this might be the best X-Men story ever written, but this is not just mine to decide. I My only hesitation here is – I don't disagree. It's it's amazing and it's a really beautiful piece of work. I just – you don't have – you know, this doesn't exist without the foundation that Claremont lays. You know? Agreed. None of the emotional resonance of any of this exists even a bit if you don't have it. You know, like – the first couple pages of this as Kitty walks in are callbacks to Claremont stories. You know, there's a callback to the gift. There's a callback to professor Xavier is a jerk. And, you know, if you don't have those touchstones in place before you read astonished, it, it doesn't have the same weight. You'll still read it and go, wow, this is amazing. But you do need to have read, you know, chunks of Claremont to get that. So that's I would, my I would actually, I would actually completely disagree with that. Okay. Just 
what in the same way that when you said as Guardian War was when I said it's Guardian War wasn't accessible and you said well it was accessible enough for me to be the first story. That's a good point. Uh yeah. I I didn't know what those callbacks were when I had first watched this. Because mm. I watched it first, which is so weird. Uh but they meant I knew they meant something and they know it meant that someone was coming home. So you read this before you read your Claremont run? E- before I read that deep into Claremont Run, I had okay. when I was when I was a kid, I had the first three uh, essential X Men Black and Whites, which got right before the Brood Saga. Okay, I think is where the cutoff was. So I was aware that Kitty was a character. I didn't have any of those touch points of Professor Xavier's a jerk or right. her kiss getting kissy kissy with Colossus, or at least I didn't remember because I hadn't read it in probably ten years. We are splitting I, hairs. We're trying to figure out how good this is because it's very good. Yeah, I, this is tough. Um, I'm, it's I'm really fine tough. with not I putting mean, it at number one because I don't think you want to put it above Days of Future Past. I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate for number two. I think this is if you're going accessible to accessible, everything the X Men is about versus everything the X Men is about. I think that I think Gifted just squeezes out over God Loves Man Kills. All right. I'm I'm in complete agreement. Let's do that. This is our okay. new number two. Our new number two, an amazing showing on this list, an astonishing showing, some might say. Deserved showing. Astonishing X-Men. One, two, three, four, five, and six. Gifted. And that that will do it. That's going to wrap us up today. Uh, so glad you guys could join us. If you liked what you heard on this podcast, you can go over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and you can pitch in money just like some of our great pat- patrons. We had a actually big outpouring this last week. We had like five guys and ladies, people submit, you know, the bids to Patreon. And at the they were all at least at the $2 level to get an episode based on a uh, story that they chose, which is super cool. So thank you to all of you guys. We now have a very long reading list to get through. Yeah, thanks. Which is a lot of fun. If you can't support monetarily, I totally get it. I can't support everything. Just thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you use to get your podcasts, that helps. That's always nice. Uh, if you like my personal social media brand and all of that stuff. You can go over to XavierFiles.com where I have weekly articles about different X-Men stuff and things. Uh, this week's was Wolverine, which took 105 articles. There were 104 X-Men that people were more interested in reading about than Wolverine. <laughs> That's okay. bananas to me. <laughs> sure, why not? Also, Xavier Files on Twitter. Adam, where can people find you and all your stuff? All right, guys. I've got new pages of uh, the search for Bish and Jubes at adamrec.tumblr.com. I've got a new page coming out every Monday. Um, and you can always follow me at Arthur Stacy. So that's where I'm at. That does it. Man, that was very aggressive. I'm sorry. It does it. It's good. <laughs> that does it. Go to your room. That does it. This is a this is awful. I couldn't get my thing at number one, even though I really liked it. This podcast is over. <laughs> This podcast is over. I hope you survived the experience. Get it!